when I survey the wondrous cross where you thinking in your mind what Jesus went through. As we continue to draw closer to that moment in our study in the Gospel of John, that song is so appropriate. I appreciate Travis' ministry in that way. And the other song, the Lemons say this morning, that song, Grace, has been, God has deeply used that in my life to encourage me over the years. I love that song. It's a wonder, wondrously sung reminder that all we have because of His grace. And that his grace is freely available, poured out upon us to live as he would have us to live. So we don't go it alone. God's grace is a bountiful for us. So grateful for these truths that we've heard this morning. We're going to continue to look at truth as you can turn to John chapter 18 again. Verses 28 through 40 today. We're going to see, learn more about the truth about the king. King being Jesus. He's going to be asked point blank this morning, are you a king? We're going to learn much from his answer to that. But we're in the heart of this, right? Our Jesus is going to appear before Pilate. And so we need to just give a little bit of background just to remind us of, of where we've been. After Jesus was betrayed by Judas, uh, they took him in the middle of the night to a man named Annas. Who, this, it was a pre-hearing before him. Jesus appeared before him. Why? Because he was the high priest of the people. He was the man that was in the eyes of the people, still the high priest, even though he'd been deposed by Rome, and his son-in-law now was high priest in his stead. The people wanted Annas to still have a say in things, and so it was appropriate that Jesus appeared before him first. After that, then they moved him on, probably next door in the same residence to the high priest Caiaphas within the same courtyard there, and in Caiaphas' residence, an attempt is made to have a trial with witnesses. Before Annas, they had no witnesses, and Jesus even pointed that out. Uh, there are many witnesses of my proclaiming of truth. They're not hard to find, and yet there are none here. Well, they made an attempt to find some for this uh, hearing before Caiaphas, and the only problem was they couldn't find any that matched testimonies, and the testimonies were false testimonies. They were all contradictory. That didn't work out very well. So what happened in the end, as Caiaphas is frustrated, Jesus just ends this really, it was a farce of a trial. And he clearly stated that he was the Messiah, the Son of God. Again, who's really in control here? Jesus is asking the questions. Jesus gives a statement in the midst of the false witnesses that moves it forward. And Caiaphas probably in relief, in a dramatic fashion, rends his garments and says, this man is blasphemy. Get these false witnesses out of here before they embarrass us further. He said all we need to hear. And Jesus condemns himself literally with the truth of his testimony. And now they need to move things forward to Pilate. Well, who is Pilate? Well, he was the Roman governor of the whole region at this time. And he was the only one that could officially allow, give Rome, Rome's sanction for the crucifixion of Jesus. The Jews had to bring him before Pilate to get permission, as galling as that was to them, 
They had no choice. Uh, and as interesting as we go further, we'll see that these supposed righteous, but really hypocritical leaders are filled with anger and bloodlust. They want to see Jesus crucified. And there's a specific reason why. The reason why they didn't stone him, because they could have stoned him. They had the authority to be able to do that. That was the Jewish way of condemnation for those that, that needed to die according to the law. But no, they wanted Jesus crucified. Problem is, Pilate himself is going to provide a counter. As they're rushing to get this done, Pilate's going to say, whoa, whoa, slow down. Actually, we're going to hear the truth of who Jesus is announced from Pilate's own lips. Amazing. As we hear this this morning. Let's go and let's skip ahead to verse 33. <coughs> verse 40. So Pilate entered his headquarters again and called to Jesus and said to him, Are you king of the Jews? Jesus answered, Do you say this of your own accord? Or did others say it to you about? Pilate answered, Am I a Jew? Your own nation and the chief priests have delivered you over to me. What have you done? Jesus answered, my kingdom is not of this world. If my kingdom were of this world, my servants would have been fighting, that I might not be delivered over to the Jews. But my kingdom is not from the world. Pilate said to him, so you are a king. Jesus answered, you say that I am a king. For this purpose I was born, and for this purpose I have come into the world, to bear witness to the truth. Everyone who is of the truth listens to my voice. Pilate said to him, what is true? After he said this, he went back outside to the Jews and told them, I find no guilt in him, but you have a custom that I should release one man for you at the Passover. So do you want me to release to you the king of the Jews? And they cried out again, not this man, but Barabbas. Now Barabbas was a robber. Lord, as sobering, disheartening maybe, as we get closer to the torture and crucifixion of our beloved Savior, see him stand before this man who has the power in a human sense to let him live or let him die. But Jesus will move forward, announce the truth again of who he is, but move forward to embrace the full meaning of the death of his death on the cross thus providing an atoning sacrifice for us. Again, we see Jesus in control, but Jesus also continuing to invite people to accept the truth of who he is. Or if Jesus is willing to do that in this moment, let this motivate us as well to want to do this to our community, to proclaim the truth of Christ, help people understand the truth about King Jesus. So let us be motivated by the love of our Savior for us and his confidence and strength in the midst of his darkest hour, that we, because of what he went through, can be enabled to testify of him. Let us do that. Give us understanding from your scriptures now, for it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So as we have now the Sanhedrin, the leaders, the religious leaders, moving Jesus forward, from the residents of Caiaphas, and then they remember they had that official meeting of the Sanhedrin early in the morning. 
to officially declare condemnation upon Jesus. Now, really, that resonance, from what we can tell, is probably in the middle of Jerusalem, where Annas and Caiaphas resided. And now they move to the western part of the city, to a place called the Praetorium. We're going to see that in verse 28. Then they led Jesus from the house of Caiaphas to the governor's headquarters. Who's the governor? Well, it's Paul. It's Pilate, excuse me. Pilate's headquarters, also known as the Praetorium. It was early morning. They themselves did not enter the governor's headquarters so that they would not be defiled, but could eat the Passover. So Pilate went outside to them and said, what accusation do you bring against this man? So Jesus is taken to this governor's headquarters, possibly from what we can tell from information that we have, archaeological evidence, it was probably the palace of Herod the king. So if it's Herod's palace, obviously now it's in Roman hands. And what's Pilate doing there? Well, Pilate normally, this was not his official residence. He was normally at home or residing in Caesarea. But during Jewish celebrations, and certainly the Passover, which was the most important in many ways of the Jewish celebrations, Pilate always made sure that he was in residence in Jerusalem, just in case there were any rebellions or anything that he could quickly stamp out. And so he's right here in the heart of things, and they can easily bring Jesus to him in order to get permission to crucify him. And that's what they're trying to do here. He wants to, he's able to quickly deal with any troubles or uprisings. And obviously, if you think about it, if the Roman guards were already involved, which there were some Roman guards that took him from the garden to or near Caiaphas, the Roman guards wouldn't have been allowed in the courtyard there of the priests. But if they were involved, Pilate already has some sort of idea of what's going on here. He's already aware of some of the facts. But as they bring him to him, the Sanhedrin, the religious leaders, if you think about it, what is their expectation here? I think they just want a quick assent from the governor, from Pilate, saying, yep, you're good. We'll go ahead and crucify him. They want this over. They want to speed along the process of the crucifixion. But the problem is the Pilate's not going to be accommodating in that way. He's going to take his time on this to understand the details. And even this pagan Roman governor understands the need of process, the, under, the, the need for legitimacy. We're going to see him saying, whoa, let's slow down here. Let's do this in an official way. Another aspect of this to point out is as the Jews um, got closer to the, the governor's headquarters, the palace of Herod here, um, them actually entering into this palace would be considered a ceremonially, ceremonially unclean act because they viewed things that the Gentiles did um, as unclean many times, especially in a situation like this. They were very careful not to enter in, so they stayed outside. Why? Because if they became unclean in any way, they would literally have to go through a ritual cleanse, cleansing that could take up to a week and they're in the middle of Passover. So they don't want to um, be disbarred from celebrating this important Jewish festival. And so they stand outside 
to avoid this, and Pilate is accommodating enough to go out to them as he sees, as he's announced, it's announced to him that they're approaching. So he goes out to meet them, but he is not interested in a speedy resolution, and he's going to make it clear uh, that he wants to go through the process here. He wants to do things by the book with an official inquiry into the matter, and that's why he gives this question posed to the leaders. He goes outside and says, okay, men, let's do this by the book. Officially, what accusation do you bring against this man? Well, these religious leaders have no desire for a full drawn out trial. And they express that in no uncertain terms. They don't want to draw out. They certainly don't want to take a lot of time with an explanation of their intent. They, they, uh, they want Jesus crucified. <clears throat> you can almost hear their annoyance in verse 30. They answered him, if this man were not doing evil, we would not have delivered him over to you. It's basically saying, we wouldn't have brought him before you if he weren't guilty. So let's get on with it. Let's forget all this. Pilate says, no, we're not going that way. In fact, if you want a fast trial, you guys judge him. You condemn him. You need me for him to be able to be crucified. Pilate said to them, take him yourselves then and judge him by your own law. And the Jews said to him, it is not lawful for us to put anyone to death. You know, Pilate, that we can't crucify this man without your approval. Now, they could have stoned him. Why was it so important that they crucify him? Well, maybe part of it was they were so angry and filled with rage that they wanted to see this awful, really the most awful form of execution that has been developed throughout world history. Think of how careful they are today. Really, this whole process of crucifixion was the worst throughout all of mankind's history of handling executions. It was truly awful. But beyond that, I think that there's a more important aspect here that Caiaphas and these other leaders wanted to see something specific. If you'll uh, let me read to you from Deuteronomy 21, 22 through 23, what the law said about someone that was hanged on a tree. If a man has committed a crime punishable by death and he is put to death and you hang him on a tree, his body shall not remain all night on the tree, but you shall bury him the same day. For a hanged man is cursed by God. And this act of crucifixion would have been the same type of thing, would have, it would have um, signified the same thing that somebody that was hanged would. And the leaders wanted it clear to the people, the Jewish people around him, that Jesus was cursed. That's what they were after. And they couldn't accomplish that by mere stoning. No, they wanted a public example before all of what the law said. And in a real reality, Jesus did take the full curse of our sin on him so that we could be freed, so that we could be redeemed. And so in the anger and bloodlust of these men to make an example of Jesus, they are accomplishing exactly what God had in his plan for us. Jesus would suffer the curse of the tree for us. They want him crucified. But this is also, at the same time the leaders want this, you remember John chapter 12? Jesus predicted this. And 
it, John um, many times here portrays Jesus' words as being fulfilled and signifying that Jesus' words are just as important as the rest of God's word. Turn to John chapter 12. Jesus signified already what death he would die, and it wouldn't be stoning, would it? He would be literally lifted up from the earth. John 12, verse 27. This is just a reminder for us. Jesus says, now is my soul troubled. But what shall I say? Father, save me from this hour. But for this purpose, I have come to this hour. Father, glorify your name. Then a voice came from heaven. I have glorified it, and I will glorify it again. The crowd that stood there and heard it said that it had thundered. Others said, an angel has spoken to him. Jesus answered, this voice has come for your sake, not mine. Now is the judgment of this world. Now will the ruler of this world be cast out. And I, when I am lifted up from the earth, will draw all people to myself through his death. He would draw people from all over the world that would put their faith and trust in him and provide deliverance from sin as he suffered the curse of the tree. And he said this to show by what kind of death he was going to die. And then John reminds us as we go back now to John 18, turn back there. Giving Jesus words, the full weight of scripture, of prophecy. Verse 32, this was to fulfill the word that Jesus had spoken to show by what kind of death he was going to die. So the Sanhedrin speaks guardedly of their purposes. But as we continue on here in verse 33, Jesus speaks very clearly about his purpose. Purpose. The contrast between Jesus and everybody else at this time is striking, isn't it? Jesus' boldness and clearness and directness in the midst of Peter's deceit about who he was. And these leaders now being hesitant and guarded about their true purpose. While as we see here, Pilate now goes back into his headquarters to talk with Jesus one-on-one. He wants a private interview with Jesus. And Jesus, in contrast to these men who want to kind of shield what they're really trying to accomplish here, he will clearly state who he is and state his purpose. He will not be guarded in this in any way. So Pilate goes back into his headquarters again, and he calls Jesus. Jesus is brought before him, and now he's going to give him his private interrogation. And even as he's brought in, if you can imagine this, it's almost as if Pilate sees Jesus for the first time, and he's incredulous. This is the man. This is the one that they say is a king or is, is in dispute about a king. It's almost as if he looks and says, how could this man be a king? He says, um, looks at him, called Jesus and said to him, are you? You're the king of the Jews. You're the one that they're talking about. And Jesus answered. And isn't is interesting what he says here. What is Jesus trying to get Pilate to think about here? And Jesus now, before Pilate, is also taking the role of the questioner. As Pilate is trying to interrogate him, Peter said, or, or Jesus, excuse me, Jesus says to Pilate, you answer me a question first. And he says, do you say this of your own accord, or did others say it to you about me? Well, that's an interesting response, isn't it? 
What is Jesus trying to say here? What is his purpose in even asking this question? Well, Jesus is trying to clarify, and he's trying to help really Pilate think through what Pilate's doing and what his questions, what, what his purpose is in all this. And so Jesus is asking for clarification, almost as if that's not the right question, Pilate. Let me help you with this. And basically what Jesus is saying here is, Pilate, is this your own desire to know? Do you want to know personally the truth of who I am? Or are you just repeating what the others have asked me? Are you just trying to find out on their behalf? Do you have any real interest in who I am? Or are you just kind of the showpiece for what these other men want to accomplish? And Pilate doesn't really like that question very much. You can almost hear the irritation in his response as he responds indignantly. Indignantly, excuse me. Pilate answered, Am I a Jew? Your own nation and the chief priests have delivered you over to me. What have you done? We kind of say it this way. Um, he's saying something along the lines of, how can I know who you are? I'm not a Jew. and It's your people, Jesus, that delivered you to me. So you tell me, you enlighten me what you have done. You give me information. And with an invitation like that, you know Jesus is going to do exactly that. Pilate is indignant that this man would speak to him in this way. You give me the information that I seek. And again, he also points out he's not interested. The only thing that Pilate's interested in is make sure that this man, does this man really pose a threat to Rome? He doesn't have any real desire to know Jesus personally. Jesus gives him the answer here. Verse 36, so Jesus answered, and notice the clarity about his purpose. My kingdom is not of this world. If my kingdom were of this world, my servants would have been fighting that I might not be delivered over to the Jews. But my kingdom is not of this world. And this is pretty understandable, I think. Jesus does admit that he's a king, but he's not just any mere worldly king. Oh, he's king over much more than that, isn't he? He's king of the universe. We were telling our boys this last night. I won't sing the song for you, but there's a children's song about Jesus as the king of the universe. And so Jesus says here, I am a king, but not the type of king that you think or that you are troubled about, Pilate. I'm not that kind of king. How can I prove that? Because if I was that type of king that was, would be a threat to you right now, wouldn't I have alerted my armies? And wouldn't they be fighting to rescue me from the hands of, this is ironic, right? Rescue me from the hands of my own people, the Jews. If I were a king right now, Pilate, I'd actually have to have help of my armies rescue me from my own people. But that's not happening because that's not really the most important thing here. I'm not just a king of this world. My kingdom is not from the world. It's much bigger than that. And you need to understand that. Is it Jesus' time for his earthly kingdom to be established yet? Well, his disciples had hoped that, and they're pretty disappointed right now. That's not Jesus' purpose. 
His purpose is to die for the sins of his people. And then what will happen after that? He will return to his heavenly kingdom, which is not of this world. So his purposes are different. And in this, basically, Jesus does address Pilate's immediate concern. Basically saying, Pilate, and thus Rome, you have no worries. I'm not attempting to overthrow your government. Pilate still wants a definitive answer. So verse 37, he basically says, so you are a king then. You do admit it. Verse 37, Pilate said to him, so you are a king. And Jesus answered, you say that I am a king. Pilate is, whether he realizes it or not, he's recognizing that Jesus is stating that he's a king. And Pilate is now giving voice to that with his own lips. And Jesus said, um, you testified of my kingship, Pilate, and I won't deny it. But look at his clear purpose in this. Jesus has a more important matter to discuss with this governor, this all-powerful governor who has his life in his hands. He wants Pilate to know the purpose that he came for, and that is the most important thing in this. For this purpose, I was born talking about that virgin birth, that um, miraculous birth through the Holy Spirit and in Mary. Even in his birth, his purpose was made clear that he, for this purpose, I have come into the world. And what was that? The purpose that we've heard throughout this gospel. This should not be a, a strange sound to us now. But he says, I have come to bear witness of the truth, of the truth of the Father. I have come to bear witness of who he is and, and the, the need, the spiritual needs of the people. And everyone then, the end of verse 37, who is of the truth, listens to my voice. He was born to accomplish a mission, to bear witness the very word of God, right? We know these truths. And now he's before Pilate. And Pilate has the power to offer him up for crucifixion. And what is Jesus' concern? That Pilate know the truth. That's what he wants him to know. And actually, isn't he inviting him here? He's saying, everyone who is of the truth listens to my voice. Those who are followers of the truth will heed my voice and recognize my truth. Pilate, will you be willing to do that? Will you be willing to listen to the truth, to follow me? It seems to be insinuated here as Jesus is giving Pilate opportunity. Will Pilate accept his invitation to accept his witness? Unfortunately, no. Pilate literally scoffs at the idea. It's almost <coughs> as if he's saying, Sir, I've had a lot of people that have come through these doors that have said that they, they are the truth and have offered truth. And I can tell you, there is no truth. What is truth? It can't be known. And he scoffs at the idea. What is truth? And ends the questioning. Because Pilate had gotten the answer that he wanted. Was Jesus a threat to Rome? Obviously, in Pilate's mind, he's not. Pilate doesn't have any interest in listening to Jesus' truth. He just wants to know whether he's going to have to go through the process of crucifying Jesus or not. And in his mind, Jesus is 
innocent of the charge. So as the religious leaders are being guarded about their intention, Jesus literally right before this man who will torture and have him crucified is offering this man a relationship with him. The truth of who he is. Pilate had a chance to trust Christ and he scoffed at it and threw it away. And the Jews will now reject Jesus as their king as well. Jesus has given the truth of who he is. Are we putting our faith and trust in that as well? Is Jesus your king? Well, it's interesting as we continue here in verse 38. Pilate declares Jesus as king. After he had said this, he went back outside to the Jews, leaves Jesus there, and he goes out to the crowd and told them, I find no guilt in him. Basically, this man has no threat to Rome. You people are wasting my time. But you have a custom that I should release one man for you at the Passover. So do you want me to release to you the king of the Jews? From his own mouth, the truth of who Jesus was comes out. Now, there's another, there's, there's another man involved in this, and he is an infamous convict. We'll talk about him in just a minute. And Pilate is thinking, we'll go with their custom. There seemed to be a custom, a Jewish custom. We don't know a lot about it, but that during the Passover, that he could release a prisoner, and another prisoner would be convicted. So this seems to be a regular um, custom of the Jews. And so Pilate thinks, I'll use this to set Jesus free because surely, surely they won't choose an infamous convict over this man, over the your king of the Jews. He's not living in reality. He's about to see the reality of Jesus, the king, his own people's anger and hostility and murderous intent toward him. The Jews reject Jesus as king. Verse 40, they cried out again, not this man, but Barabbas. Now, who was Barabbas? He was a robber. And the Bible tells us in the other gospels, it gives us a better picture of who uh, Barabbas was. It says that he was a murderer um, from a little bit of church history as well. What we can tell Basically, it'd be best to describe Barabbas as an insurrectionist. You could kind of almost think of him because it says here he's a robber, maybe a type of Robin Hood, where he was fighting against the, the government. And Rome had legitimate problems with Barabbas because he was trying to get people to insurrect against the government and against the leadership and probably stealing and giving to the poor. So he probably had his own fan base on this. But he was recognized as one that was a murderer that had taken people's lives. And he, don't miss this, he was actually a real, true insurrectionist. And they choose a real insurrectionist over their falsely accused Messiah. They were accusing Jesus of trying to cause insurrection so that they could have him crucified. And they're willing to go with a man who really has been an insurrectionist, who has drawn the people away from the government in order to get Jesus convicted. Mob mentality rules here, unfortunately, but it's all part of God's plan. And God will see this to the end, as we know he will. Um, Pilate then recognizes what the Jews will not. He says it with his own lips. 
king of the Jews. This is your king, King Jesus. But they refuse to, um, they refuse to admit. They refuse to see the truth. And they want him crucified in the most bloody, agonizing way. And we're going to see this continue next week. So, folks, does this sober us? Do we recognize the truth of Jesus as king? I hope, and my understanding is from talking with you, that everyone in this room has trusted in Jesus for deliverance from sin, have trusted in him as your king, fully expecting that one day he will return and we will wonderfully and gloriously submit to him and bow the knee before him, and we look forward to that. If there's someone that's listening to this today and you don't look forward to that, and you don't like the idea of Jesus ruling over you, that's a problem. You relate more to these uh, Jewish leaders and the people who hated Jesus than you do one who follows Jesus. But those who have put their faith and trust and recognize that all that Jesus has done for us certainly recognize him as king. Don't reject Jesus as your king, but receive him while you have opportunity. Pilate, these people had opportunity and they would let it slip by. Let's not let our opportunity slip by. And for those of us who are under the rulership of the king and have submitted to him, let's proclaim him. Let's continue to proclaim him and all that he has done for us.